I'm Kelly Maroney, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. Welcome to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. My name's Matt. And I'm Paul. On this episode, episode 71, and boy, do we have an episode for you. We are reviewing the new to Amazon movie, The Rental. We have a very, very special something to scream about. We have an interview special with the one and only Kelly Maroney. If you don't know what films that she's been in, then you're at a knobhead. No, yeah, no, man, no, no, no. Not the, not the Comet, Chopping Mall, Zero Boys, Fast Times at Richmond High, come on. Amazing. So that's coming up for you. And not only that, we're going to be diving deep into Chopping Mall that I picked well, on last episode. That's really convenient that we've got the actress and star. With <laughs> <laughs> a fucking blinder there, mate. Well done. How you been, mate? You all right? Mate, I've had a great week. I've been chatting to Kelly Maroney. I've had a cracking week. <laughs> yeah, that's been good. I've been going around with a big smile on my face after that. Um, and you'll hear why later, because it's an epic. I hope you've got enough time on your hands. It's an epic, over 50 minutes long interview, but it is great content, so stick around for that one. Fucking, she was such a great guest. Really chatty. Just loads of good, loads of good, loads of good content, mate. Fantastic. One of the best guests we've had on so far. Definitely. Well done. Well done for making the effort in oh. lockdown and uh, contact. Pulled my finger out, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Legend, man. So, yeah, cracking. That's that's pretty much it, what I've been doing. <laughs> that's what i got to say. Right, done. Next. <laughs> what have you been watching, mate? Have you been watch- have you watched anything? And I've been watching Parks and Rec, mate. So... Oh, okay. It's good, that. I've seen that. Yeah. I've, I've completed that. My second second run. On it. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are bored. Oh uh, mate, I've got. I've now started Big Bang Theory, so I need to. I need to just put Shudder on and just start going through Shudder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is my little guilty pleasures. Um, I I did watch. Um, what did I watch? The Lisa Lamb. What really happened in the Seasol Hotel? The okay. thing that just dropped on Netflix this week. I know they just had the, they've had all, you know, the Don't Fuck With Cats, um, what was the big one last year, Tiger King, Nobed, all that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they obviously just had the Night Stalker as well, which I sort of, which is quite interesting, downtown LA. And Night Stalker sort of ties in actually really, really interestingly enough with the Cecil Hotel, because he was actually, um, living in the Cecil Hotel. Really? It was really interesting. Like, the two oh kind God. of cross over, which is really weird. Um, and the Cecil Hotel has got such a dark, storied history. Really, really interesting documentary. I mean, I don't know. You remember the the YouTube video of the, you know, the, the strange girl in the lift. I remember yeah. that back in the day. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and now they've... I didn't, re- I didn't realise the, the hoopla surrounding it. I knew that they found her in the... Eventually in the... Um, on the on the roof on the water tank wasn't in it? the water tank but it's again it's another case of these uh 
Wasn't everybody like drinking her, basically? Mm, there was a bit of stuff. But there's like, is again, it's all around these internet. I'm going to call them in, not internet trolls or internet investigators, internet trolls, basically, as far as I'm concerned. But they're so like, oh, we really care about Elisa. But they are fucking idiots. Again, <laughs> I'm sorry. They are fucking dorky fucking idiot twats. They go after this poor death metal guy, right? And called Morbid. I mean, you know, they're, oh, they're, and they're, they're doing talking heads on the thing and they're like, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he, we found, we, we went deep and we started looking at all these YouTube videos and, um, we found this YouTube, this video of, uh, this, this death metal guy and who'd, who'd done a video in the Cecil Hotel. Ah, oh, it must be him because he's so weird. All his videos are about death. And all this sort of stuff. And like, you fucking... App. The poor guy was on, on the dock as well. He's like, ruined his life. He's like, he almost had a breakdown and killed himself. Oh right? God. It wasn't even the goddamn country when she was missing. The video that he shot was like a year before. The bunch of nerdies, man. They made me furious. I was, mm-hmm. I only, I was furious with them. Because they were just, they just like go off on their own. And like, oh, we're so right. Oh, she definitely died. Oh, oh. Well, a fucking bunch of twice. Done my head in anyway. Yeah, the uh, the <laughs> the internet warriors. Yeah, really upset me. But it was a it's an interesting doctor. If they didn't include the moronic internet nerds, I think it would have been a better documentary. I wouldn't have got so pissed off. But I think they did it on purpose because it, yeah, it, they've done their job, haven't they? They've got yeah, you riled up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as if they came round our house, though, they'd probably think that we were murderers by they're just looking in our video collection, our, our DVD collection. Fucking idiots. You know? Anyway, <laughs> on a lion, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, anyway. Really yeah. annoyed me. Did you watch anything else? Or was, um... <laughs> that's, that's it, man. No, apart from the movies, I haven't really dived into something. I need to get, apart from watching uh, the lovely shopping mall in rental. So, mm-hmm. nothing too, nothing much. Nothing worth, nothing, no. Nothing worth mentioning to you that you can laugh at again. No, no, no tweeny fairies or anything. Oh, that's a sh- what a shame. What about you? What about you? What, sh- what have you been doing? Well, um, I've actually watched a couple of things. Um, not really massively horror related, but I did watch that TV show It's a Sin, which is freaking dark in places. Uh, oh, that's the uh, Channel 4 ni- uh, 80s TV yeah. show? Yeah, about the AIDS pandemic and stuff like that. And it's Okay. Really interesting, um, and really, really well acted and stuff like that. But it was, it's really dark in places, so, but it's a very, very interesting, interesting TV show. Mm, yeah, a lot, lot, lots of, uh, interesting scenes in there. Okay. <laughs> but, well, uh, I might check that one out, actually. The soundtrack alone looks pretty cool. Oh, the soundtrack's banging, mate. Um, but I did watch something. I watched this with my daughter, actually, um, yeah. and it's a great little film just dropped on Netflix and it's called Finding Ohana. So it's it's like basically set in Hawaii and it's like a lot of people saying it's like the Goonies. But it's no way as good as the Goonies. It's got data from Goonies. OK. <laughs> or, or short round from um, Indiana Jones. Same person. Um, He's in it. He makes a little cameo, which is great. A little nod to Goonies. But there's loads of little one-liners from Goonies in it. But it's got, like, ghosts in it. And it's got, like, they're hunting. And it's got these kind of pirates in it and stuff like that. 
But as a little adventure film and like a gateway horror for children, it's perfect because it does go pretty scary at the end for kids. Um, but it's it's really, really good. So if anybody out there does have kids and they want something that's not crazy scary, Finding O'Hanna is really, really good. Go and check it out. But other than that, like yourself, obviously I've been checking out kind of uh, Kelly Maroney films all week and I watched uh, Fast Times at uh, Richmond High great movie First time, which was well, really, really cool the great Sean Penn what a fucking movie what a fucking movie man Nicolas Cage is in it I didn't even know that yeah I forgot about that bloody hell that was one of his real early roles I mean it's a proper yeah, movie man loads of people in it aren't there but Phoebe, anyway. Phoebe Cates have you got any news for oh, me? Mate, honestly. Because there isn't much out there at the moment. It's getting worse and worse, isn't it? Because, like, obviously nuts, stuff's not, still not getting made. No. It's been I a mean, bit dry. But, it um, is. It's a little bit dry. I mean, um, you know, bl- uh, My Bloody Valentine t- has turned 40. It's an old bloody movie. That's a, that's 40 a big years deal. old. So, wow. I mean, it's a, it's a 1980, you know, look at 1981, I'm turning 40 this year. So we're going to be like, The Shining's going to turn 40. Not too much going on. There, I haven't even seen that many, like, movies and stuff that are actually worth talking about that's actually coming out or out at the moment. Um, but I think in the next month and stuff should be quite interesting. But for those gamers out there um, who liked the series The Last of Us, which was fucking incredible, absolutely incredible. And obviously, they just The Last of Us Two came out what over Christmas. They're obviously penning a TV show for it, um, and they've got their two main stars, Pedro Pascal, fucking the Mandalorian. Yeah, he's getting all the bucks, isn't he? Hey. No, but he's done what? Well, only from like Game of Thrones, getting his. How's ed- he get the time? Narcos that he was in. I mean, he's popped up in all sorts of movies as well. He's in Wonder Woman 1984. And now he's going to... This is going to be a big deal for for him again. Absolutely. And it might, we actually might see his face this time, though, because obviously we're <laughs> Monday, wasn't it? But better than that... I agree. But better than that... I mean, that was pretty big, I thought. But yeah, so starring as Ellie is Bella Ramsey. A.K.A. Fucking... Lana Mormont. Lana Mormont. Yeah. The biggest gobshite on Game of Thrones ever. She was the best thing about that, the last few uh, series of, of Game of Thrones. She was fucking awesome. She held all to account in the fucking throne room. Got John. Do you know, do you know what? I, I had every Funko of Game of Thrones, and I pretty much sold nearly all of them, but the only one I kept was her, because she was fucking awesome. She is fucking great. Spoilers. I mean, yeah. I so shed that's a, when she died. That is a great cast. I forgot she died. Yeah, she gets fucking, fucking thrown about by a giant, doesn't she? Oh, Christ, yeah. She had a good death. <laughs> she had a good death. She goes for it, mate. She goes for it, but she goes out swinging. Anyway. I have to talk about, I did watch, I have to talk about WandaVision. Okay, yeah. I have to talk about WandaVision. Yeah. Okay, it is. Has to I, I know you haven't seen this latest episode the one that came out literally today as we're recording it was a spooky episode <laughs> um it was all halloween based and there's some great fucking costumes in there so i'll wait and talk to you about that obviously um when you've seen it but 
yeah, they've obviously the the journey that this TV show has been on is a bit weird, and the whole thing is just dark and twisted. Very, um, it's such a it's like a mystery TV show with a set in a sitcom twisty thing. It's so cool and twist, full of little twists and stuff like that. I'm really enjoying it. I think that it needed to be almost dropped. Not at once, but I love the fact that they're doing the, uh, you know, the weekly, the weekly shows. I think. That's oh yeah, I love that. I, I love, love it. it. Yeah. So it's a talking point, isn't it? It's like, yeah. and it's something to look forward to. And they're not very long, which is really weird because you kind of want you watch it and you're like, oh shit, is that it? I know. I'm like, and I'm gutted when it ends at the moment. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's good, isn't it? It's like it means you want more. But the, the, it's so cool, like all the little nods to things that, that I, I mean, I've missed loads of things, but you always see those things come up online that explain all the Easter yeah. eggs you might have missed. All the um, adverts but, and stuff like that that are uh, relevant. Yeah. I mean, I was really proud of myself for remembering the characters from, like, the girl from 4 and the guy from Ant-Man and, like, when he comes up with his, like, little card, like, magic oh, trick thing. Spoilers. <laughs> Oh, fuck it, if you haven't watched it, it's tough shit. Yeah, but, it's on um, Disney Plus. Not, obviously, there's a bit of controversy about this, Disney Plus this this week. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, not, we're not a political podcast, so I'm not getting involved in any of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a fa- I think it's a fantastic watch. It's, and it's, it's going to go... And it, we're going to get... I mean, we're going to go on to... This is going to end, and we're going to get The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then that's going to end. Oh my get god, the trailer for that looks oh. fucking amazing. I know, man. Literally amazing. Come so on. yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's definitely uh, giving me my little Marvel fix, and it's definitely going down the little dark route. But again, for me, if they're going to make Doctor Strange and the well, the multiverse of madness or whatever it is, and if mm, this is yeah. going to be a direct link, um, they need to go darker this still isn't dark enough for me although, although i'll talk to you about, yeah this still isn't dark enough for me <laughs> we shall see we i mean shall. i think it, i think hopefully it will do with um dr strange sounds like they're going for that kind of horror edge and obviously we will be first on the front lines for reporting back on that oh <laughs> well, yeah right then dude what you got what you got much i ain't got much really i was going to mention about last of us but <laughs> But yeah, no, you, it, I can't. It looks good, man. And um, obviously, the game—I've not played the game, but I've—I've I've seen images of it, look, so it does look good. But I have got one little bit of news: Arrow Video um, have brought out some of their April releases, so they're bringing out a couple of new movies. Uh, well, not new, but um, nice special editions. They're bringing out Battle Royale box set. Oh, I've seen that. That looks fucking tasty, man. Yeah, it looks really, really nice. That's coming out in April. These are all coming out in April. A really nice limited edition uh, Donnie Darko set. Um, you might shoot me down for this, but I wasn't the best fan of Donnie Darko, and I get that there's massive fans out there, but you know, but it still looks nice. It's good soundtrack. It was fucking weird and bonkers, and and I'm like, maybe I need to revisit space travel. What? <laughs> Patrick Swayze, R.I.P. As a paedophile, I'm not really sure what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And um, and the final thing that showed at Fright Fest um, over the, I think it was summer, 
Fight Fest was a clapboard jungle that we missed, which is a documentary style um, about a filmmaker, and um, there's loads of interviews on there and stuff like that. So that looks quite interesting. But those 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 are the three main ones. I saw there's a couple more coming out as well. But I just thought I'd mention those, so they look cool. But it's been a bit dry on the new release. Well, we haven't talked about it, but we're missing. We're not going, Glasgow Fright Fest is on this weekend, isn't it? Mm, yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I know. Um, we never go. No, so. we never go. I mean, yeah, but I mean, we did do that. We've covered the last two. Um, it would have been nice to see some of the movies from this one, but we just can't do them all, can we? You know, it's. It, but we hope they uh, have a really good time and. Um, yeah, we wish them all the best, man. Yeah, because I don't think we'll be going back to Fright Fest until next year, probably 2022, I would imagine. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Boo! <laughs> uh, but we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. I just want to be going back to the cinema would be nice. Yeah, it would be. But yeah, that's it for news, dude. That's, that's all right, let's just it. crack on, mate. Let's just get on to our main review. Oh, let's do it! Let me show you out back, and then I'll get out of your hair. The stars are insane out here. I should have brought the telescope. We need a telescope in the city for? Unless you're like a peeping Tom or something. <laughs> All right, this episode's main review is The Rental. It's a film about two couples that rent a vacation home for what should be a celebratory weekend getaway, but turns into something completely different. <laughs> Starring the wonderful Alison Brie, fucking love her. Dan Stevens from The Guest. Our mate, mean, Dan Stevens. The get, yeah, he's fucking awesome. We love Dan Stevens as well. Um, Shelley Vand, Jeremy Allen White. You know, oh, and a little bit of a, a nice interaction from uh, Toby Huss as well, who also shared uh, the screen with Alison Brie before in the uh, the Horse Girl. Which is a fucking good movie, by the way. Sounds dodgy. Mate, honestly, it's fucking dark and twisted. Sounds like one of your video collections. <laughs> Mate, it's fucking, it's fucking good. Yeah, so what do we think about this? What's your, what was your initial thoughts about this movie? I've got to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan. I was okay. not a massive huge fan. I felt that it was a very, very slow burn. I felt a lot of the bits were quite predictable. I felt that the 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 deaths were minimal. Um, the one thing I will say, positive thing for me, and I, I totally, totally, these guys can act. The acting was superb. Characters were good. But I just felt for me, very, very slow going to get into the story mode. And but let's get into it a bit more. What what how how did you feel about this one? I mean, I liked it mm. in a way. Um, I know what you mean about the slow burn. I like the production. It's a good production. Good, oh yeah, good yeah, production. Strong strong uh, strong budget. Um, and you know, strong use of what they you know, uh, cinematography and what they actually had and what they um what they used to actually create the movie was fantastic. So it's really clean and really nice to watch. Dan Stevens was great. Like you said, Alison Brie is always great good what they worked in yeah, great cast yeah great cast um and the the settings and the 
uh, where they were. Oh my uh, god, that house! Yeah, I mean, we did the beach house last year, that Lovecrafting movie. This was obviously a lot better version than that. It's a lot different, um, more of a um, home invasion, I suppose. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk of, about let's talk about what it is. It's uh, more of a home invasion movie, I suppose. Yeah, uh, so it's just a, a, two couples that. It's uh, brothers that they decide to go to this massive rental home. You know, like we've been on those kind of things where you rent a house. Airbnb. <laughs> and you don't know who the hell rents it out. Um, and you go there and you have a really nice weekend away or whatever. And they're going there and they're getting away. I mean, you know, I don't... <laughs> look, this is directed. I don't know if you know this. It's directed by Dave Franco. Oh, wicked. Okay. Yeah. So I think this is his fir- one of his first directorial debuts. Um, and it was written um, by him with another guy called uh, Joe Swanberg, which did Your Next and v- a VHS um, segment. Your next so one. I think it's like, a, you know, his first baby. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not majorly down on it. I'll be honest, I did enjoy um, some of it, like the interactions between the characters, like... I felt was very real, like the, the the two brothers that didn't seem quite close, but there was something going on. But but for me, the the issue I had is that right from the first scene, it's kind of like they're spoon feeding you this whole storyline of 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 how one of the brothers has a tight relationship with with the girl who works with him, now she's going out with the other brother. So you can see they've got a relationship going on, but they just seem to spoon-feed you that quite hard. They were always going to bang. Yeah. There was always going to be a tipping point, and that was the tipping point. That was the point, but it was just too too obvious. It was too obvious it was going to happen, and it was just like, well, it's, it's predictable. And not that I want things to be unpredictable all the time but it was just like it was too obvious that that was going to happen but it took such a long time to get to that point and it, I think it was like nearly 40 minutes in when you got to the point where the, it was just like ah they've obviously done this they've obviously cheated before and this is like a, a second time and, and which was pretty blatant obviously and pretty risque like when one of the guy's wives was sleeping and her boyfriend was just out on the couch drunk. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was, yeah, it was pretty lame in terms of the, um, you know, they're going to bang in this jacuzzi and, you know, just next or in the shower or wherever and next to them. It's just a bit like, mm, okay, whatever, affair. Um, okay, so what's the, what's the next point? Is it, is it going to be self-destruct? Not really. Um, I wasn't a jaw-dropper moment either when, spoilers, the, um, there was a camera in the shower that they noticed and but they obviously couldn't tell because uh, that complicated things with because they'd had an affair in the shower that you know so you know there was a bit obviously it was not interesting complication but it's just like meh, it's a bit too predictable i get it but i liked not it was still a bit air of mystery i thought it was straightforward with the landlord but it wasn't straightforward which is nice i just also i sounded really negative but i did enjoy this also, I just felt like the whole kind of, it felt like they needed a bit of an issue because issues are kind of like, and political things are quite big at the moment. 
So it just felt like they put the, the, the fact of racism in there. It didn't feel like it, it fitted into the story much. It no, felt, they, well, we need to put a bit of racism in this because, you know, it's big in horror movies at the moment. And we really need a political point or, or some kind of edge to wedge in there. And it just didn't sit right and it didn't feel kind of right. I don't know. No, they, they, rammed, they rammed that in, um, I thought, like the not so obvious racist landlord and and that gave what an excuse for the brother to beat him half to death i mean then it got into a bit like i know what he did last summer mm. like, what mm. you know like one person do you, know, do you know what it reminded me of a little bit do you remember that film my little eye have you seen that my little eye i haven't seen it i know i know of it but i haven't seen it you should check it out it's a fucking awesome movie i went to see it in the cinema when it came out but it's this it's, it's kind of like cameras set up in all different places and stuff like that and it, it had kind of reminded me of that a little bit but you mean it didn't remind you of the fright fest movie slum that was my second thing i was going to say we've seen a movie that i thought that was executed even way way better than this <laughs> that it's almost kind of taken that kind of idea and kind of got a bit of a bigger budget on it and gone gone with it which what was it called again slum slum lord slum lord Slumlord, that's it, yeah. And I think it's actually recently changed its name when it came out on uh, DVD. It changed its name again to something like The Landlord or something like that. Greasy Strangler. (laughs) And um, that was a great movie. Yeah, it's good. And I felt, and you've hit the nail on the head where it's kind of like, we've kind of seen this thing before. There was a few tropes that we'd seen before, but I'd say what I did, there were some bits what I did like, I mean... I, you know the the dog going missing is classic, and I was like, "Don't fuck with the dog." Um, I hate when they do that. Josh was a dick. The brother. Um, there was some good tension, but I was waiting for a twist that sort of mm, came a little bit. Um, I mean, the sort of the how sort did you feel about the kind of deaths? The crescendo at the end. So you know, like he what he got beaten to death a little bit. You know, done with a hammer. I, I just, no, I just felt like there was no hook in the puss. There was no hook in the puss. You know. But I felt like the deaths were a little bit kind of like it was like you didn't see um, Alison Bree's character get killed. No. You just see him running up to the kind of car. You you kind of see Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens is quite a big part. They're all you know. They're all main parts. The four characters are the main characters. And he kind of goes out like a bit like a punk. And you think, oh, oh, that's him gone. Because he doesn't even get the confrontation with his brother. I know. About seeing the video of, of, of him and his brother's missus doing it. So you're waiting for that because that's bubbling in the background. That doesn't happen. And then, obviously, you know, and then the other brother gets killed again quite easily and then you have this like whole it changes into a bit of a cat and mouse you be oh here we go we've got a bit of a final girl situation going on here and i i really thought there was going to be something more to it the the fact that she just is running through and then obviously boom she falls off the edge of a cliff and i thought oh that's her gone i know i i mean they didn't might have been a bit of a fight or this is where it got good. Mm. In the last ten minutes, maybe the last five minutes, I was like, okay, the premise of it, she's not, I thought, right, she's gone off a cliff, we don't see her die, okay, usual horror trope, she's going to come back in the final scene and kill the fucker somewhere. Possibly, yeah. But really, the reality of the fact there is that 
the he's just a fucking you don't never see his face, which is great. He's always wearing a shitty mask, but um, but he's going to do it again, and he's doing it again. He's is is the premise of it of somebody renting an accommodation before you do, putting cameras in, and then proceeding to view you, and then proceeding to uh, kill you in a, in a way. That's his sort of, you know, his uh, motivation, if you like, and stalkiness. And it, it's quite modern and it's quite interesting, I thought. But delivery of the whole thing was quite shit. I kind of just want to see, <laughs> like, creep. I kind of just want to see him rent a load of places and just kill them off one by one. Just do that. <laughs> just that. I'd rather watch that movie. Didn't need all the, the sort of build up and all the rest of it. Just like I more. Mean, that was the issue it had. I think it could have just it the it could have the pace of it could have been a bit faster. Um, because I actually liked the guy that owned the property or or didn't own the property, the bro- the brother of the property or whatever. Um, he was quite good and and again nothing against the acting and the quality of the dialogue and the script writing is fantastic. Um. But his creepiness was quite cool. Agreed. Um, he was a good character, and and that was that was executed really really well. And there was a nice bit actually with him when he when they were trying to get rid of the body, with the you know worst kind of getting rid of the body ever, almost like a bit like I know he did last summer bit. And they were chucking rocks at him, and one <laughs> sort of hit off his head. I just thought that was fucking hilarious. That made me giggle when they probably shouldn't have done, but it did. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way they were trying to you know <laughs> move his body off this fucking thing that they can i mean i don't know there was a bit idi- they were just idiots but yeah all right <laughs> middle of the road done and and one other point it's just like they kind of made such a big thing about this kind of room that had a, a code on underneath the house and it almost is like they're doing like a, a kind of a backstep thing it's like they break in there. It's literally nothing but junk down there. And the guy goes, oh, I was just meant to come in and see loads of monitors and, and like all this and do that, do that. And it's just like, and then he just finds some photos and goes, oh, you don't want to know what these photos are. And then that's it. And it's just like, pfft. um, I just found it's, it's just really weird, a strange, strange bit. But you know what? I, I, I can fit, you know, if, if this, you know, if this is Dave Franco's first movie, then, then you know, fair play. I mean, I would love to see what he's going to do further down the line uh, with more experience and stuff like that. Um, for, for hats all, off to him for a first yeah. go. For all his faults and stuff like that, I wasn't bored, really. I didn't think I was that bored. And um, for some reason, you know, I wasn't that pissed off with it. I just thought, yeah, OK, that was all right. Just all right. I mean, that that's the general thing. It was OK. That's 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 my feelings. It wasn't a bad film by no means, um, but it was just okay. It's worth a watch for free, free. on Amazon Prime for free. Yeah, you know, if I paid for it, I'd probably be a bit like mm, a bit more angry. <laughs> but it was on Amazon Prime. It was there. It's free. It's worth a watch. Yeah, definitely. Well, you rate this bad boy then, dude? Um, I'd give it probably. Five out of ten. Same. It's it's an average, just an average movie. Yeah, I just Five don't think it's not 
100% like fresh, new, something different, pushing the boundaries. But it does have some great acting, great actors in it. If it is, I, I need to look it up. If it is a first film by Dave Franco, fair enough. You know, totally, you know, not many people, not many people have a great, you know, a big budget and good actors like that in their first movie. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was an okay movie. Better than Staunton Hill. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. And that, it will that, always be better than Staunton Hill. Yeah. So there you go. That's our review on the rental. Um, next episode though, if this, this is a problem now, um, is, that goes, well, I had no expectations going in to watch this. Now, next <laughs> movie that we're going to try and check out stars Nicolas Cage and is, uh, on Amazon again and is called Willy's Wonderland, which we have talked about. This and will be our third Nicolas Cage movie. Fuck yeah, Mandy, Colour out, out, out of Space, Colour Out of Space, and uh, yeah, fuck, third, go Nicolas Cage, we missed, I think we might have missed some as well. Probably. He, he loves smashing them out. Mandy had so much potential, uh, Mandy's a good movie. Yeah, okay, so yeah, Willie's Wonderland, looks a bit like Banana Splits, no idea what to fucking expect. Bring it Willie's on. in Wonderland, hopefully. I just want to see some Cage. Cage Willie. <laughs> right, so there you go. That's the next episode. Willie's Wonderland. Come rent it with us on Amazon Prime. Right, moving on to our... Ooh, moving on to our Something to Scream About. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? scared of me why do you care for me when we all fall asleep where do we go so obviously we start said at the start of the show that we had a very special interview um with none other than kelly maroney um she has been in some awesome movies and we're very lucky to chat to her and this is the interview so we hope you like it um because we had a blast doing it and here it is we're so lucky to be joined by you because in our eyes you're horror horror royalty to us um and we've been massive fans of you and your movies so so it means a lot to us to have you on so thank you so much for coming on my pleasure Um, and how are you at the moment how's things good um you know we, we have the pandemic so things are quiet but um i'm not it's a funny thing i'm not getting as much done as i would have thought i'd be getting done Right. And I thought, oh, this is a chance to be super productive and catch up on everything. And um, I still feel like I'm not getting enough done. And maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just where I'm set. You know, I, I, I feel the same. I <laughs> literally every day I feel like I've not got anything done. And you've got lots of time. So, yeah, what was I, how did I get anything done when I was also able to run around in places and things? Hmm. It's stunning to me. So uh, there's that, and um, but I kind of in, I'm catching up on my movies, and and um, that's what I like to do best anyway. My husband and I like to sit and watch horror movies and other movies too, at home, and so we, we're given carte blanche to do what we like to do. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It's a perfect time to do it, isn't it? Catch up, yeah. watch some great movies. Some things I miss. I would like to get my nails done, and I would like I like to have my hair blown out straight. But that's not possible right now. So 
I'm, yeah. Everybody has COVID hair and COVID nails and COVID. So, yeah, you know, Paul, I'm not going to learn Paul has that problem as well. Yeah, I've just, <laughs> just got a bunch of wigs now. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> So I, I want to start kind of at the beginning for you. And I want to ask a question that is like, did you always want to be an actor? Was that something you always wanted to do? Was it, was it something? I, my choices when I was a little girl were actress, the Virgin Mary, or um, queen, princess. <laughs> those, are my three car- those are my three career choices. So I think I, did, I got the one that probably was the most practical given the other two. that that never changed but in minnesota we have uh i think in australia it's called the um sunflower head syndrome you don't walk around saying i'm going to be an actress when i grow up you'll get your butt kicked you know and and so uh, i kept it to myself a lot but my mother um um and she said she had been reading a whole bunch of of um of mindset books and she said it's all in the way you think so Let's and, and because of that, she supported me. I think she would have been scared to death to let me go to New York with five hundred dollars mm-hmm. um, as a teenager. But um, she was, and also she already raised all of her kids, and she, and she thought, okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to probably get pregnant, which you know is kind of sexist and everything. But at the time, um, it did happen. You, you know, my sister did, and. And, um, you know, it altered the course of their life because not everybody has something that they really, really, really want to do. And that's okay. It's nothing the matter with that. We can't all be, you know, obsessed with our, with what we're doing. But if you're lucky enough to have something you really want to do, I think it, it helps us a lot because we make a beeline for what that is. And we have actually fewer choices. You know, we don't have to stop and consider, um, well, shall I? You know, stay in this city, or shall I need to? You got to go where. It, I mean, certain things because of that commitment um, and that calling. It, a lot of things are more clear than they are for people who have a lot more choices. I think. Yeah. So I just thought I w- would watch her, and I, because um, I had to think about this. Um, um, I, I would. I wanted to be Betty Davis when I grew up. So, um, um, but but I would watch my mother watch these old movies, and I would get to sit up. Most of the time, I pass out, but that was our little thing together. And all the cares of the day and whatever was going on with her would just what the movies did for her. It, I thought I want to do that for her, and, and that that's and for everybody, people, yeah, in general. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I also noticed that because in Minnesota we're very um, reserved, <laughs> but in the movies, you know, you can like you're out there with all your feelings and you're supposed to be and you get to I thought people get to do daring things with their lives in the movies you know and so it was just it was never really a consideration I I wonder if I try to think did I ever give lip service to anything else not really um you know I love animals but I I didn't think I was going to be able to handle being a vet because well first of all I, I <laughs> wanted to be an actress but I just thought that's somebody said that's a, that's a lot of working with very sick animals and, and dealing with all of their their deaths and things like that yeah, that's not a good side is there yeah no I mean I can't even walk into a shelter without crying I want to take them all with me and so yeah would it, that would have kind of probably been a, been a disaster anyway 
Um, and then maybe some, you know, when, when I was little, we used to play, and this is gonna, that's not doctor, okay? <laughs> I was gonna say, we used to play a nurse, and I thought that's, I'm not meaning that there is a scary boy. And then we also used to pretend like, you know, there's variety shows that they had like in the 70s. We, we would pretend to have a microphone and like pretend to be Cher or pretend to be Marie. <laughs> I can't sing a note, but I would pretend. So no, I always wanted to be an actress as the short version. <laughs> <laughs> so what about horror then? What was your, um, what's your earliest memory of horror? Well, uh, the black and whites, um, first Dracula and Frankenstein, because they played on the local, but here we have local stations where they'll run on Saturday or Sunday. I think in my case, it was Sundays. And they'd have be a host like an Elvira or, or just not necessarily a, a person like that, but some kind of a host. And they would play horror movies. And that's why I got to see them. And I, I, was, I was really compelled by them. I don't know that I had any idea what was going on with them. Um, it was until much later that I saw Nosferatu, which is my favorite of them. But I did get to see um, that. And then also uh, a lot of the movies that I like, um, Betty Davis did some things that I would consider horror, like uh, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte and whatever happened to Baby Jane, forget it. That's a great one. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so um, a lot of those actors, it was still black and white or whatever, but a lot of them as they got older, they called themselves horror hags. <laughs> when, you know, that was the thing is it. Most actresses disappeared after they were 35 because nobody wants to see anybody older than 35. But the ones that did stay, you know, they be, became character actresses. And I, at first I thought, I'm a character actress anyway. I'm never going to be the beautiful girlfriend standing there, you know. I was lucky enough to get some really great parts starting out. And I thought it was always going to be like that. Like, wow, they make great parts for women. Well, not always. They <laughs> always yeah. make great parts for women. Um, but I always went in that direction. And I just thought um, she was not afraid to be huge and not afraid to. Um, I, I read later on that the makeup that she did for Baby Jane was uh, she deliberately made it grotesque, which is a daring choice, you know, especially for an actress in those days. And it was all about glamour. Um, and um, I also love Susan Hayward. She didn't exactly do horror, but she did some some crime things, you know. She did I Want to Live, and I remember seeing that as a little kid. And then also, uh, I remember my mother parking me in front of it. She, she knew I love these movies, which is a lucky break for her because, you know, she never had to wonder what to do with me. <laughs> and she parked me in front of the birds. She said, this is Alfred Hitchcock. You know him. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> kind of. You know, <laughs> what do they really know? Well, this is the birds. And I remember when this came out. <laughs> she splits, right? She's in the kitchen or something. <laughs> wow well, could you let me watch that you know, okay <laughs> wow so i who knows how much of this was actually you know sinking in but it must have on some subconscious level because even though as a my personality i was very scared to death to be an actress but it was in my it was in my um makeup somehow mm. so that's the very long answer that's the longest answer i've ever <laughs> no it's good that's good so what about uh any new horror have you have you seen anything lately or anything that... everything has right. come oh yes i'm planning on watching um um the cult movie that barbara just did um sacrifice 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's all over all over her Instagram at the moment. Yeah, she's yeah. doing live Q and A. Yeah, she's she's really on top of that kind of thing. And I, I usually catch things right away when they come out. And my husband also likes horror, so I don't have to fight with him about it. So and he couldn't believe it when we met. He said, I, can't, I met a woman that likes horror. And then he didn't know anything about my career. And then I find out that she's in horror. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so what do I talk? Let's, let's move on to like a bit of Night of the Comet. So Night of the Comet is like... I only see, I've got a confession. I only saw Night of the Comet for the first time. Oh, we ghosted. Yeah, for, for this podcast. So we sort of term pushed ourselves to find new ho- horrors from the 80s that we hadn't seen before. And Night mm-hmm. of the Comet was one of those. And we was like, I was like, I didn't, I didn't have a clue. It's a sci-fi horror. I didn't really understand anything about it. And it's since become my favourite movie. Oh, like, so seriously, talking to Jed about it. There's some absolutely outstanding scenes. I mean you know, laugh out loud moments with you getting punched in the face and, you know, going around, there's so much physicality in it. But I was wondering um, about your audition process. How did you come about to be in this movie? See, I read for the producer and I really wanted to read Reggie because I was tired of being the kid. I was a teenager on the soap operas and uh, and I was tired of it. And I thought, you know, that, that was the motorcycle scene in the beginning. Or, you know, who doesn't want to do that motorcycle scene in the beginning when she kicks the zombie's butt and gets on the motorcycle? Um, and he said, because he was also an actor too, he said, I, I will, will you be happy if I let you read it because you're Samantha? I said, okay. So he let me read it and he goes, that's great, but you know what? You're Samantha. <laughs> so um, I went in and then we, uh, I didn't meet Kathy really. So uh, we, you know, it was like, people sitting around and you go in and you read and um, then you, you get cast. It wasn't anything special. Like no one called me up and said, yeah, I mean, you ne- hardly ever, ever get to go around the audition process. Almost never. The people want to see what you're going to do. And it's fair, you know? So later on, I found out. And, and in the meantime, I had auditioned for Nightmare on Elm Street. Needless to say, I didn't get it. And I found out later that Heather Blank account was auditioning for Samantha because Tom had it in his mind that they were supposed to look like sisters. And the producers were like, um, in fact, what they thought, they also caught just one, one blonde actress was sitting there for Reggie. And the producer said, what's the matter with you? I remember her, him walking through and going, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, he goes, what's wrong? And she goes, I'm the only blonde sitting here. And he goes, that could be a good thing. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there watching this going, what's going on? You know, I had no idea. And so I said, I, I didn't know any of this was happening. Um, but later on during the shooting, I said, you know, when we don't look anything alike, I mean, like nothing alike. And, um, and he said, yeah, I know. There's something for everyone in this movie. <laughs> 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 Which is so sexist. But uh, later on, Tom showed, showed me a movie um which he wanted, which we were basing Samantha on, actually, uh, my um, my man Godfrey, and in that there's two. They look nothing alike, but it's a great contrast. So I think uh, rather than try, trying to be like, oh, they must look alike and things like that, it's kind of better if they look different. So on that film, obviously, it looked like a blaster film. What were some of your favorite kind of memories that you can remember from those from filming? I just I remember the first thing I thought of when you said that was the script was so funny 
that and, and it, it doesn't play as funny as it read. So we would do one playing for the jokes and then we would crack up. And then uh, one of the producers thought that it was a horror movie with, with zombies and, and the apocalypse. And the other um, producer kind of thought it was a, a comedy. So like uh, um, one of the, where I was throwing the television and then I go, ta-da. Yeah. Um, the, producer, the producer who thought it should be serious comes up and he goes, why is she laughing? Why is she enjoying herself? And he was horrified. He goes, what are you people doing? So we had to appease him. And, and, and you know, he realized afterwards what we were going after. But he was shocked. He's, what are you laughing about? So it did kill some of the humor because you, you did have to play the reality of what was happening. Mm -hmm. Because when you read that thing, I read it on the plane. And I was like, one of those times when you're sitting there laughing to yourself in public and you don't want people to think you're crazy, but, you, but you're, you're cracking up. That's how funny it read. So, um, um, some of those lines at the beginning were like with your, your, your stepmom, you know, about Chuck and stuff. About how could you not laugh with that? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, look, here's Chuck. It was not a laugh line until we saw her do it. Right? <laughs> when I'm shutting the door, at the, you know, in the beginning where she goes, where are the goddamn kids? And I just shut the door. I had to shut the door because Kelly, the actress, was laughing about, look, here's Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I just shut the door <laughs> and the other door I'm going <laughs> so that was fun and then also in that particular scene that was the first day we shot um, and the producers they'd also done Valley Girl and a couple other things and they had a policy when working with young actors that just the first day is a wash everyone's going to be nervous everyone's acting is going to blow and you know, it's just going to be a fiasco. So let's just have, and don't tell anybody, but let's just have the first day be a wash and everybody get comfortable. So I guess, and I heard him do it too. He walked around and said to all the crew and, and the, you know, camera people and the sound people and everything, no reshoot. And everyone was like, so impressed and everything. And I didn't know what they were talking about. But later on, I found that it's because he fully expected to have to shoot the whole day again. But Kathy and I were on soap operas and stuff. We didn't know from come back another day. <laughs> you know, that camera goes on. And even if the wall falls, falls down behind you, you don't stop. And you better know your lines and you better know where you're supposed to be because you don't, you don't get another chance. And if you stop tape, it costs the network a fortune and they will replace you. So, and we knew that. And I think one of the, one of the great things, I don't think they did it maybe consciously, but a lot of the actors that people used in the 80s for, for low-budget horror where you have to go one and one for safety and you're out of there. Uh, this, the, most of us had been kids on, on daytime television. A lot of us had been um, because we knew how to show up. We didn't, you know. Yeah. And they, didn't, they weren't going to have time for somebody that didn't, didn't understand how much money it was going to cost them if, if they screwed up. So. So um, somewhere after we shot the master, we did the master of a, you know, where I go, um, the sweater costs 80 bucks. Um, <laughs> um, somebody, I, I think it was Wayne, but it might've been Tom said, they gotta have a dog, right? So, um, and it, they thought it would be funny to put dust, right? And so they had, they said, okay, here, 
let's pick up the leash. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Because I still don't know what's going on. So I just think there's dust there. I don't realize my dog is dead. And then, so I had it draped around my neck for the rest of the scene. And I said, you know, being a good little girl, I said, you know what? That doesn't, it's not going to match continuity now because I have it. And they went, yeah. So what? It's funny. We'll take the heat. Let the audience go. You know what? All they want. It's funny. Let's just leave it. <laughs> so we did. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I think you, you do decide our worth taking the heat for, you know, and plus it's something for people to talk about too. You know, yeah, and, that, and they love to talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, give them something to talk about. That's that's one. You know, where'd that leash come from? She didn't have it in the first place. Now I was like, that's why, and we just left it. So obviously, like your your bond um, with Catherine Mary Stewart seems so tight. How did you kind of like come to be so? Because because throughout the film, it's like you're so believable as sisters. And it's like you jowled and bond, bond and the characters are both so great, but you just seem like you'd done a lot of work possibly before. How did you kind of make that connection with each other? It's very weird because we didn't know each other. The first time we met is that there were pictures uh, in the, in our living room of like Tom was dressed up as a, as a Green Beret. And there were pictures of us, you know, looking younger. And uh, that was the first time we met. And wow. actually, Kathy was expecting to see Heather there. Heather wasn't Heather. She was just an actress but at the time. And I didn't know what to expect. And so that's the first time we saw each other. We didn't read together or anything. So um, and then I, we, I remember we got to the set. And I don't know if it's, she's Canadian and I'm from Minnesota, which is Canada adjacent, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had the same sensibility, I think, perhaps. Also, she'd been on soap, so she, we, we both were, nobody had to be talked into working really fast. And I think we just went, we're it, let's go, you know? And, and so we did because it was sort of, it just happened. And um, the only thing she ever said to me was, she goes, well, I never, I don't have a sister. And so this is fun. It was, you know what? At the risk of sounding like an airhead, I really just think that it was a past life thing. Mm. Just happened organic as awesome. I, I really do because it was almost like we just got there and, and got down to business and there was no talking or like having coffee or working together or any of that stuff. It just happened. Did you guys cool. share a trailer together? So like when you were offset, did you kind of Yeah, I didn't know anybody at all. So mm. uh we, we sort of hung out a little bit afterwards. Um, but then we sort of, we kind of, as the years went by, we went our separate ways for a while. And then we came back together. I think it was probably because um, all this Night of the Comet talk all the time. Mm. And I I had started to do interviews a little bit before Kathy. And she's like, how do you remember all this stuff? And I said, it, it, one, it comes back to you. Because we hadn't thought about it. And, and two, these people know more about the movie than we do. <laughs> so, and and it's really fun. Um, and and I realized as I was telling her that that that's that's exactly what it was. So we have fun doing this stuff, and and it really helps because I don't. She lives in New York. She got New York, and I she got the East Coast, and I got the West Coast. I don't know who has Texas. 
Um, <laughs> um, but uh, um, I don't get to see her as often as I would like, unless she's because she comes here for something. So it's fun for me to see her again. Oh, that's cool. So, what do you think this movie is such a cult following? I think a couple of things. I think that people could see when when somebody is putting their whole heart into something, it reads. And I think people get that because, um, you know, we did. We did. When you're doing a movie, it can be like you have $10, no names, and, you know, five minutes to shoot it, and it comes out great. And then on the other hand, you can have an unlimited budget, major stars, you know, great director, and it falls flat, and you don't know why. It's like, like if you could bottle that, you know, then we'd all... We'd all be able to do it, but you never know when it's going to happen. So it's like Las Vegas, you know, just um, throw things in there. And, and it just happened to everybody was just giving their all to it. I also think in the 80s, um, it was not out of the realm of possibility. And it was in people's heads for a long time. And maybe it probably still is that one day, you know, but it would be more like a war. But what's nice about this is it's a natural disaster. There's no enemy. There's no one to blame. It's a comic, and I think that takes the, the um, some of the, um, it's it's just a, it's a different kind of fight, and also um, we have fun. Do um, it's just a, you know, I think people think most people feel like a normal person, you know, and we're just we're normal girls, but I think people want to think when push comes to shove. I'll be able to defend myself. How will I act if, if, how will I behave in a crisis like that? What if the world was going to end? I think people have, as much as they'll allow themselves, have thought about it. And I think um, if you want to think that, you know, that you're going to be not cowering in the closet and getting killed first, <laughs> you want to think that you're going to be able to rise to the occasion. So um, I think just, regular people rising to the occasion is very comforting. You might not think you can, but you know what? When it happens, you're, you're going to get up there and do it. Yeah, and what are you going to do when it happens? You're going to go to a mall and just hang out and chill and have fun. <laughs> That's what it's all about. What else is there to do? What are you going to do? You know, rail against the sky? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that was that does come out of someplace. That's not just an airhead thing, if you think about it, because it's the first time it's a the, Samantha's arc. It's the first time she has admitted that she knows what's going on. And when Reggie sees that, she does not want her to crack up. Does not, you know. And in fact, the, the concerning thing is she's not admitting anything is wrong. But then when she admits that she knows, Reggie brings her back into, but we're, you know, girls just want to have fun. She actually brings her back because she doesn't want her to, to fall apart. So, I mean, there's, there's, that's that's rooted that's um that's actually justified in the story we don't just like go to the mall I mean, everyone makes, makes it sound like oh these airheads like go to the mall she does that on purpose there's a real reason yeah to ground it and there's a real yeah there's a real real sort of heart behind it which is why it makes it so like familiar to you because well, it's sort of like need you need to kind of have that distraction when you've got like even like dawn of the dead you know, with George Romero, you know, they're, they're going through a phase, mm -hmm. but that level of familiarity, the consumerism is kind of a kind of a comfort blanket. Yeah, yeah. It, it works. You know, probably what will happen. I mean, uh, you do odd things in the middle of, of something, a disaster. You know, I mean, 
They did that in the beginning of The Walking Dead, the TV shows. Like they, they walked into a store and they felt like they were stealing something or, you know. Um, it's going to take some time for your brain to catch up with what's happened. Like maybe even an hour and a half <laughs> of a movie, you know. Um, it's going to take some time to, to process it. And I think it's fun people to watch the process going on. So I wish I had like a one set. If I had to say this in one sentence, I would I would think that it struck a chord with people because they can recognize the relationships that are all of a sudden in, in the event of a, of a disaster like that. The relationships are going to be what's important and and they will be able to defend themselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah, and that's the success definitely for me. And that's where that's for me, that's what made me love the movie it's the humanity of it all it's more in the characters it's more than just the what the apocalypse is happening right you, that's what that's what i, I got from it. That, that's that's what it is i've never tried to say that before in one sentence or at least <laughs> not recently so that that's it it's it's what's going to end at the end of the world what's going to matter is your relationship and you want to feel as though you're going to be able to rise to the occasion and defend yourself and defend other people. Because Samantha grows up, it's like, okay, that the first time she finally admits what's wrong. But then by the end of it, she's the one comforting the little girl. Oh. So um, even though she's like, let's go to the beach and everything, you know that something has happened. You know, that, that I think people follow that um, on an unconscious level that she, that, you know, she's grown up. So I'd love to move on to Chopping Mall now. Okay. This is another film that I only saw recently. What was it like working on that movie? Uh, well, it was, it was really wacky because um, we, were, it, we shot at night. So everyone was exhausted. When you're exhausted, your, you're, you're, um, not inhibitions, but you, you know, you're, you're in a vulnerable state because you're not supposed to be up. Um, it was fun because they didn't shut the, the, the shopping mall down. I mean, they didn't close it off so we could shoot. We had to go in there after the stores were closed, set up, do all of our shenanigans, and then return it to normal and leave before the stores opened in the morning. It's crazy. Which I don't know. How, I mean, it's, it was a Roger Corman crew and there's nothing that you can throw a Roger Corman crew that they're not going to be able to do. I mean, it's just like survival of the fittest. So they did it. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. So it's just, you know, we get in there, we're animals all night long, and then we put it all back and we split <laughs> every night for like, I guess, three weeks or something. Um, so it was it was fun. I liked all the running around. Um, when I first got the script, I thought, there's there's so much action in here that I'm going to need to really think about who, is, who Allison is when she's, you know, because this is not a... I mean, this doesn't happen all the time. They're not always, you know, often running around um, being chased by killer robots. So what are they like when, when you know, what's really going on with them when they're just people in, in everyday situations? And so I realized I had to have that going on or it was just going to be like, you know, oh, there's a girl running away from a robot. Big girl, you know. <laughs> yeah, what was it like working with the robots? <laughs> Well, um, they didn't chase me like they were. I mean, there was one robot that was on a, um, they were beautiful, by the way, but um, was on a dolly, you know, and and was sort of remote control. And so, yeah, you had to be careful with that. 
that could easily, you know, go wrong. <laughs> and then one of them could go, one of them, you know, with a head. And they all did different things. So you notice you really don't, unless it, in the beginning you see all three of them, but you never see that again. You might see one or two, you know, in, in the same shot. But he did a fabulous job. And I mean, when, when they first uh, introduced this idea of the movie to me, my first thought was, Robert Short is doing the killbot. We didn't call them killbots yet, the robots. And the movie was called Robot. And uh, he had done Daryl Hannah's tail and Splash. I mean, he was a really hot special effects guy. And I thought, how bad can this be? Little did I know they're going to call it Chopping Mall. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but I didn't know that at the time. So, um, in the cup, in the chopping mall, and in the in the uh, night of the comet, um, you use guns quite a lot. Have you got like a history? Um, I mean, America's obviously got a lot of gun culture and stuff like that. But what's your history with uh, with that? Cause you look very because you look very at home. <laughs> um, the characters I play are, and so um, um, my first experience with a gun was on the soap opera. I was a horrible, horrible human being, and we did. I don't know if you know the Lana Turner story. She was a movie star and she had a daughter who was no good apparently and she was dating this much younger Step Stepanopoulos I think Joey Stepanopoulos I think was his name kind of a gangster type and the daughter shot him killed and and Lana Turner covered that up so we did the Lana Turner story with this woman who, who played my mother was fabulous and I had to, I shot that was my first it was a pistol and I shot him and he died. And then <laughs> so that was the first time. Um, then we had Night of the Comet, which we were taken to the to the gun range and, and taught on real guns, real arms, how to do it, which is uh, how I got that funny stance, actually, I always. And the reason I did it that way is because the, the people don't realize that when that gun reports, and it will knock you on you, but it's really strong. And so I always did that so that, you know, I didn't get knocked on my butt, even though the gun weighed like six ounces. <laughs> um, because I, I hate it when people are just throwing guns around like they're, you know, they're heavy. So you can laugh all you want about that weird stance that I took, but I didn't want to fall on my butt. I mean, once Samantha didn't want to fall on her butt. So we got to be pretty, you know, I mean, that was for real. And then um, I did a, um, yes. <laughs> I remember the highest, one of the highest compliments I felt I received was later on I was doing either a guest spot or a, I think it was a guest spot or a movie and the gun wrangler showed up to the set. There's always some guy who takes care of the guns and makes sure that everything's safe and all that. He showed up and he went, oh, her? Ah, oh, she knows. Let's go get a sandwich. I was like, <sighs> <laughs> I've arrived. I know. <laughs> He's not worried about me. So yeah, for some reason, I mean, I could be, I'm not a, a gun enthusiast in, in real life, but uh, I do know how to use them. Now, having said that, if somebody walked in here right now and I had to shoot them, I mean, that might be a different story, but I do know how to do it. And I do in, invariably, most things that I do, I end up, my character ends up sh at least with it in her hand, if not using it. So yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, total dead eye in shopping mall, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, Winorski had seen Night of the Comet, which is what made him call me in for Allison, and he was doing callbacks. On you know, he did a callback to 
Peckinpah. He did, um, uh, you know, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. He did a call, you know, all sorts of homages to different things. And he, the, we just happened to be standing there, and he said, um, he, it was written that she takes the gun away from Ferdy and, and does it. Because it's set up from the beginning. Nice shot, nice shot, nice shot. You know? I, I was amazed. The reason I'm pointing that out is I thought that was obvious, and apparently it's not. But they set it up for Allison to be an, a dead eye when she throws the cup in, behind her and it goes in the wastebasket, and Ferdy goes, nice shot. So it's a running thing, and he needed it again. Um, and so that's why we did that. And he goes, you know, why don't you say, when he goes, nice shot, say, uh, my dad's a Marine because of Night of the Comet. I said, well, actually, he was a Green Beret. Mm -hmm. I said, do you really think we should do that? And he goes, yeah, why not? And so they did it. <laughs> did, you, did you do most of your stunts in that? Is that true? I did. Well, I loved it, except for um, I didn't do the fall. Uh, if I broke something, they were a toast. That's the thing is... You have, they have to protect. I mean, if 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 the actor gets hurt, that costs a lot of money mm. if they can't come to the set. And um, the the woman, um, the, the person, the stunt woman did the breaking through glass because in real life you, you cannot break through that glass. And she was and she was um, she she stood next to the fire because it was too close. They decided it was, I was too close to it. So other than that, but all the running around and everything else, it wasn't as bad as it seems like. I mean. First of all, Wynorski said, I will never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do, like regarding the bugs and everything, the snakes and stuff. And then, I don't know, it just, I wasn't scared. So they put me in a harness. So there was no way I was going to fall off that, you know, anyway. In mm -hmm. fact, I was more concerned with trying to make it look real. Like I was really hanging there. And then I didn't do the drop. <laughs> Those spiders were real, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, the bug wrangler. Oof. Um, <laughs> I'm, I don't really have a, 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 you know, arachnophobia or anything against spiders or snakes, which is good to begin with, but yeah. they brought the bug wrangler. There's a guy who brings, you know, who brings the bugs and stuff to this. He, he's the guy, the bug wranglers, right? So, um, he brought these tarantulas and he brought these snakes. He brought, brought a scorpion and they dropped it in Winorski's lap and he said, okay, no scorpions. I don't like that. <laughs> But the rest of it, I said I was fine with it. But this guy was so used to in protecting his, his bugs and everything, snakes, that he didn't leave a possibility of, of me to be freaking out. He said, okay, this is Dolores. She's the lead spider. She's been in the business for years, worked with all the greats. You're in good hands. <laughs> you know, and so actually, I mean, everyone goes, everyone thinks that that's like, so I was... And no, it wasn't pleasant, you know, <laughs> it wasn't great, but I, but they were professional bugs and snakes. Um, and they knew what they were doing. I was more concerned that I was going to hurt them. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, you know, there'd be a big Hollywood funeral for Dolores and I'd be <laughs> the, you know, a-hole that killed her. I'm I'm a huge fan of like movie props and stuff like that. Did did you ever keep any of your stuff from any of your movies, or did you, did you get cheerleader outfit? Well, um, the cheerleader outfit in, in Fast Times went right back to Universal, and actually, it's sitting in the in the Universal Museum right now. Wow! Which I had no idea, but somebody came to Los Angeles, somebody I know, and they took the Universal tour and they took a picture of it. 
I said, get out of here. I had no idea it was in the, but there it is. And I think then, you should claim that back. You should have that back. Oh no, they took it. They, they made it very clear. Those were always, that we were never gonna get one of those. That, that was clear. The um, the cheerleading outfit, that they, they built that for me because there's no such thing as a cheerleading outfit that fits anybody like that. You know, they're boxy. So this was supposed to fit me like a glove. And they made two of them. So in case one got messed up. Um, and so at the end, I got one of them and Tom's daughter got the other. And she used to go at, for, to me, for, as me for Halloween. And, awesome. Uh, which is weird because I don't know that anybody would have known who she, now I see people cosplay me a lot oh, yeah. in that movie, but I don't know if it was a thing then, but I, I don't know. That's what she did. And so that's where they went. And I had it for a long time. And then um, I sold it to a private collector. Okay. Who, yeah, who um, said, if you ever want this back, I'm not gonna be a jerk about it. I will you know, sell it back to you for what I paid you for it. And, oh, fair play. Yeah, but it was just sitting, you know, what was I gonna do with it? And plus, collectors know how to take care of this stuff. It was just gonna get, you know, ruined i mean eventually if it's just sitting in my closet i don't know how to take care of you know preserve clothing and things like that like a professional mm. does yeah true um, and for a while i had the um i had the blouse which i for allison which is a, such a pretty blouse i really liked it and i had um the sneakers but the sneakers got so full of paint oh. it, it, allison only had one change of clothes i don't know what would have happened if i screwed up that outfit because that was, she had one. That was, there was no backup. The paint, the shoes were so full of paint that you really couldn't wear them any place. I had them for a long time and then they started to disintegrate. And so I eventually got rid of them. You know, not really dreaming that someday they might be worth something. We didn't think about stuff like that. Which was stupid. Imagine if I had those sneakers right now, all full of paint yeah. like that. Yeah. Very cool, but I don't. Damn it. What? <laughs> yeah what's um what's next for you in terms of like um like um, movies did, or anything well the pandemic kind of stopped everybody in their tracks but before then i had done a a movie uh hitchcock hitchcock mention him once <laughs> um, <laughs> um an hp lovecraft film takeoff um adaptation of it's called the deep ones Ooh. and they talk of another one so um which i would See, you really can't kill me, so you always have to bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> final girl curse, curse of the final girl. Um, and then I have a, it's just a short film, but I hope it becomes a full length feature. It's tied in with an escape room. It's, it's about video stores in the 90s and it's a science fiction. And um, James Duvall, who was in... Um, oh, Donnie Darker. Yeah, Donnie yeah. Why couldn't I think of that? It, I think it really, what I've seen of it looks really, really cute. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. There were so many special effects though that they had it, it was supposed to be out by now, but they had a couple of things that they had to recreate. And since, um, I don't know why, but they had to actually build a model of the town in order to reshoot something. And it's, you know, even with green screen and all the things that we have today, it's still a process. Mm. It's still, it's, <laughs> Right. I mean, when when I did these movies we're talking about today, we didn't have CGI, so 
Yeah, and that's why they stand the test of time. The practical effects always are always better. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and if there's something wrong in the shot, you couldn't CGI it out. Mm. So it would it would kill a lot of things. I remember a, um, a window washer situation in another comment. <laughs> like producer in the dailies goes, "What is that?" And he looks, and we went, "Oh my God, there's window washers in this <laughs> in this shot." And then also there's, I mean, there's many bloopers in that. But you can see a car, you can see something happening um, in the window of the movie theater that's not supposed to be happening there. I don't know. Um, and so, um, I mean, now you could get like, I don't know, maybe five or ten actors and create a crowd with CGI. I mean, it's crazy what they can do. But Bye-bye. but the bottom line is you, you, you're still going to go through whatever you go through to one degree or another in editing. You're still um, going to get coffee cups and bottles of water on set, so Game of Thrones, what? <laughs> that was, I mean, that was especially hilarious to me because that could happen so easy. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't, like, accidentally catch a pair of jeans underneath it. <laughs> I'm just, you know, for the scene, I'm just sitting here, so I'll just wear my jeans and my slippers. Because yeah. we used to do that on the soap and all my, you know. And then I'm going to do a, uh, something based on a, a real story. Um kind of a, it was really scary, it's creepy thing. It was more of a crime drama. And um, there's a revenge movie. I don't, that wasn't necessarily put on hold because of the pandemic. I don't know what's happening with that one. And um, there's something else. Oh, Staycation is coming up too. Okay. Which, I, yeah, I I started out being, a, I found out how much work it was being a producer. And I, I couldn't believe how much work it is. So they called me up and they said, you haven't done enough work as a producer. And I went, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm gonna co-produce that and um, and be in it as well. So there's those things and there was something else. Just wondering it, if Jed had approached you for not, you know, not the Comet reboot or something like that. <laughs> I think he would love to do that. Oh, I, think, I think he would love to do it. That would be something. Well, the problem is it's it's been around to every single studio and they ultimately pass on it mm-hmm. because they say this the thing that makes this work is it's the story of two sisters it's not the special effects it's there's no point in redoing this uh-huh. and and i found that out because somebody was a writer on another movie and and it came in he goes you don't really guess what came in i was doing a play he said your movie down to the comet that landed on my desk and everybody's looking at it like potentially to see and that was what they decided and and he said i understand that that's what everyone has decided it's just why remake it it's about the girls it's not about absolutely so um yeah i mean and every so often every few years they try you know but i mean god knows i mean tom at one point was going to do it as a cartoon which i think would have been funny you know it's uh i don't know sometimes a thing is just a thing you know i agree something sometimes you just don't just gotta let it be yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's such a slice of the 80s that maybe it belongs there i don't know yeah nothing you've hit the nail on head i I tried to buy the script um when mgm got it and they for a long long time the rights were splintered so every time somebody would want to do something they would find out that they couldn't do it MGM went and bought up all the rights. So that happened a lot in the 80s and 90s more when um, all the rights were changing and everything. Like the soap opera that I was on, 
most of, uh, like the second half of it, because they cannot for some reason get the rights to the music that was used, they can't they can't rerun them. Wow. To the fans' dismay, but so anyway, they went and bought it, which which is no small thing. Got all the rights together to re-release re re uh, the the Blu-ray and everything, and so I um I thought we have to get that back because I mean. I just thought Tom should have owned it, you know, and, and, and Tom thought I should have owned it. And, um, and he wrote me a lovely letter of introduction and I got a very prominent lawyer to help me so that they had to pay attention to me. And I made a bid to, to who knows where I was gonna get this money, but I would have gotten it. I just would have, cause I wanted to, um, to, to purchase the rights so that we would have it. And so Tom could do whatever he wanted with it. And, and um, they just said, no, they said, we're gonna develop this ourselves. But then another friend of mine said, well, that's, she had called about one of her movies and um, they, she said, that's more polite than I got. They just, hung, they said no and hung up. So but they're, they're on to us now because if, if actors or directors or writers start nosing around their old work, that tells them that there's interest. Mm -hmm. And that's, then immediately they're not going to sell. Because they were shocked to see how, how well Night of the Comet, the Blu-ray did. They, they were, you know, they had they didn't expect it. Like whoa, people really like this movie a lot. I don't. I mean, who knows if they ever ever even watched it? But it's beside the point. And then for um, Chopping Mall, same thing. Every once in a while, somebody wants to do. But see, also Roger Corman has this thing where he it, others do too, where you can use the title, especially with the internet now. If the the title is going to get you enough hits to impress people enough. Like they'll see, oh, there's a lot of buzz about this on the internet. You're more likely to get funding, and so I think he allowed people to use the title "Chopping Mall" because you look at what they were going to do. It had nothing to do with Chopping Mall. Yeah. Anyway, what for? What? But that was over because Lionsgate bought Chopping Mall, and, and Jim and Steve own a little percentage of it, but Lionsgate owns it. So we haven't um, got a good version of uh, Chopping Mall over here on Blu-ray yet. Oh, you haven't? No, no. It's really hard to get hold of. And, like, someone has to pick it up and bring out a nice release of it in the UK. Yeah, you can get a German, you can get a German version. I think, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but I did not know that. It's on, okay. it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime, but they're UK rights, I don't know, aren't over here at the moment. Okay, let me, uh, let, me, let me see if I can mention that to... You know, I, every once in a while I still talk to Jim. I'll tell him that. Mm, it would be lovely. I'd be, it would do really well in the UK as well. Really well. Yeah. So, I mean, when I did a Joe Bob's show, he asked the producer, he goes, by the way, why are we doing Chopping Mall? Because none of the comment, he thought it was a better movie. And the producer said, are you kidding? Chopping Mall has far surpassed in popularity that one. And it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it oh, is really crazy, but... but for some reason, I don't know, people just really love it. And I'm so glad that they do. Um, oh, it's good. Then, I think it's something that will run the test of time forever. There'll, there'll just be new fans like going, coming in and watching those movies all the time. I think it just keep going. I know I'll show my kids that both those movies. That's see, that's, I mean, that's as an actor, that's what you want. I mean, to, to know that something that you, that you connected with somebody and that somebody enjoyed what you're that, that's everything and i got that in spades you know I'm, i've been so lucky to get so much feedback about um some somebody and you know, people enjoying the, the things that i've done it's really 
It's really something. Um, well, I'm 40. I'm 40 this year. And <laughs> and I've watched horror since I was, you know, about seven or eight. And your movies I've only seen in the last three years. And they're already becoming like favorites. I've watched, I've never heard, I'd never heard of them as a kid. And suddenly they just sprouted up during doing this podcast. And now they're like my favorite movies. So they do find a new audience, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I guess they do. Well, I'm always shocked, you know, to, to see people, you know, continuing interested. It never gets old. I'm always like shocked. <laughs> And never go, oh, not that one again. Because it's it's amazing. You know, and like I said, I do remember different things. It's not like I have to for a while I, I was kinda of feeling like, geez, I'm gonna be saying the same things over and over again you know, about these older movies. But you do get asked different questions enough so that you remember different things and other things occur to me for the first time that I didn't think of or I didn't remember. So yeah, I mean, my dream come true would be to have to do something now that resonated with people as much as those movies do. As, yeah. as much as I love that, I'm still alive. I can't yeah. do that anymore. <laughs> you know? um, but and that's that's being so selfish because who you know how many people how many actors get to have that so. Um, but I do hope that I do hope that people continue to enjoy the stuff that I'm doing. Oh, that, it will. I mean, getting, getting those stories, you know. I mean, they they just. I got so lucky to have like like, boom, boom, boom. Every character that I got when I first started acting was this major, powerful character, and I thought it was always going to be like that. Mm. You know, um, I didn't realize that it was unusual. I thought it was, well, yeah, this is how I, I saw Betty Davis. She always had great parts, <laughs> the way it is. I mean, I was kind of dumb that way. And, and um, also, uh, the, uh, the first couple of directors I worked with were women. And I didn't, so I didn't know that that was a big deal. Come to find out, that was a huge deal. But it was normal for me. So I had a different experience than other actors in some ways. Oh, that's great. And you don't realize it until you're on a panel with somebody. You know, they had such a different uh, experience of that time than you did. It's interesting. Uh, it's well deserved because we, we love your movies and we think you're great. Thank you. <laughs> but Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. Um, oh, my pleasure. We really hope to see you come over maybe one time in the UK. Um, I would love to. I've never been there and I've always wanted to go. Oh, you, you've got to come over and do a convention or something over here. Uh, it would be really, really good to see you over here. Oh, I would love it. Kelly, thank you so much for your time. Thank really, you really so good. much. I had a great time with you guys. Please um, don't be strangers and let me know if I can be of any further assistance. Oh, wow. Listening back. Yeah. I really like that. I really like Thank you so much for coming on the uh, podcast, Kelly. That was absolutely incredible. So much fun. I gushed a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, well, the thing is, is I think it means a lot to me and you because we're so much such big fans. Because especially, especially how we just totally fell in love with Night of the Comet. And as you know, as we probably talked about that way too much. Uh, but I think we've got enough content to have her on the show again at some point easily. We had loads of questions that we actually didn't ask. Um, but 
it, I think that meant a lot to us, and I hope that you guys out there really liked it as well because that was a big thing for us. Um, and we've been thinking about, you know, approaching Kelly for a while, and we finally got her on, and it was awesome. It was so great. Yeah, and she had the best chopping ball t-shirt, and she beat my chopping ball t uh, chopping ball t-shirt. <laughs> Only just kill kill what is fucking awesome t-shirt. So yeah, thank you again so much. So. That was awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed it <laughs> too. Right then. As much as we did. No. Well, you know, as uh, as we did last week with some, you know, great uh, synchronization with Alicat Graphics. <laughs> again, <laughs> we're synchronizing our podcast again with our interview. And uh, what uh, what did you pick out of the vault then, dude? I picked Chopping Mall. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. It's dead meat. But you're never alone in the chopping mall. What's that? Robot blood. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. I'm going to give you a synopsis on Chopping Mall. Um, I've never seen this movie, so it was a brand new movie for me. So a little synopsis is a group of young Shopping Mall employees stay behind for a late night party in one of the stores. When the mall goes on full lockdown before they can get out, a robot security system malfunctions and goes on a killing spree. Awesome. This is my third viewing in the last two years of this. I, oh, I, can't, uh-huh. I can't start watching it. I fucking love it. Um, but I just want to say, out of the interview that we just did with, that you just heard with Kelly, if you see a Blu-ray of Chopper Mall in the UK, that is going to be because of draw one last fucking breath. Because we yeah. were like, so I'm just saying that if you got us to thank UK region one. So yeah. Yeah. UK region. So hopefully that'll happen. Cause Thanks I really want to, I really want to, Matt's got a lovely VHS copy, but I want a physical Blu-ray copy of shopping mall. Um, so with loads of extras. Currently it's all, it's available for free. It has been for quite some time actually, which is great. Um, on Amazon Prime. So. Did you see there's like two versions on there, but they're exactly the same length. But they just yeah. got two different artworks. I've watched both of them. They're no different. Confusing. Confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. This is the ultimate 80s fucking um, horror movie, you know, movie. It's got the, the greatest what 80s. We, yeah, what we've got, we've got 80s soundtrack. It's 1986. We've got a film in a mall. Poor Kelly Maroney again in the mall. <laughs> and it's just full of a brilliant cast as well. Kelly Maroney. We've got Ooh. Barbara Crampton. <laughs> wow. Just brilliant. And Tony O'Dell. That if you've watched the um Cobra Kai TV series and the Karate Kid, you'll know him from that as well. Uh, I think you're thinking you're forgetting someone very, very. Oh, I'm not forgetting this person. I will never forget 
the late great Dick Miller. <laughs> legend, mate. Absolute legend. Goes out like a legend in this movie as well. <laughs> so where do we start? So these kids, right? So we start off the movie and one of the best opening scenes ever is just seeing all those great kind of mole moments from the 80s when you, you were a kid. Just I, I don't know if you remember, just going, you know, I'd go down to town on a Saturday morning. I'd probably put a nice little shirt on or something. Like, go down to the mall and, like, just try and kind of pick up chicks. Maybe go down to Flick's Arcade. You're such a fucking liar. You you were a little nerd getting fucking uh, strawberry milkshake tipped on you. Yeah, that as well, but... (laughs) 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 Whilst playing the arcade game. We didn't have malls like they did in America, though, did we? Well, no, but we did have a mall. We did have the Brunel (laughs) Centre. All right. Hey, it was my Brunel Centre. The Kilroys <laughs> and Rhapsody. BTs around the corner. Oh yeah, but yeah, but, mate. But yeah, I just love that opening scene. It's just like it's just capturing that eighties. It's just like oh my god. It's just like how you know retail was buzzing. Everybody went to the mall. It's like crazy, crazy, crazy. Do you know what? Um, although the the eateries are pretty fucking ropey. <laughs> the fucking <laughs> Chef with a fucking fag in his mouth and the most greasiest t-shirt in the world. Yeah, it didn't look like they had food standards in those days. <laughs> fucking great. But again, this is, you know, when you've got like Strange Things season three and like the the mall that they created in from that. Mate, they, just, they just looked at every 80s movie, didn't they? And they just yeah. rammed it all in there. Everything. But we get a star and role from Ke- Kelly uh, in this movie as Alison Parks. Mm. Um, the, like you said, the opening montage is so much fucking fun. Um... We, this movie is like basically short circuit on steroids, really, isn't it? The, <laughs> yeah. killer, killer short circuit. The robots are fucking cool. I I think they're great design. Um, there's three of the bastards. You know the 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 the, the reason for um, the murder spree. I mean, these fucking robots are supposed to be the top of the range. They're not quite, you know, Ecto two o nine or Robocop really. Ed 209. Ed 209. What did I say? Oh, XO 209. Ed 209. Ghostbuster car. Ed 209. They're not quite that. And they're They're not not quite quite Transformers. No. And they, um, but they do, they're there to protect them all at night. So, so you don't need a security guard. But lightning strikes. And for whatever reason, the the lightning strikes about fucking 85 times. And uh, it causes them to, Ignore protocol, I suppose, is the best thing. Well, they were just... They were protecting them all in their own heads, I guess. Yeah. Their own sy- systems. But they just didn't give a fuck who you were. <laughs> I, think, I think that's right. So then we meet our characters, right? So this this is kind of a weird thing. It's kind of like they're like... The, the guys who work in the kind of home furnishing store, something like that. Like, yeah. got a load of beds and bedding and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have a party. Have you got the beers? Um, so they're setting up this party after hours in the mall because they just want to get these chicks back and pretty much bang them in the beds. Because they're like, they're talking about like, they, they've got all the like, the kind of duvets and the covers on the beds. I know. And there's four of them as well. There's not even like, you know, there's a lot of them that are just literally just shag, going to be shagging next to each other. 
<laughs> and poor, like, the main guy who's got the keys, he's like a right nerdy one. And so he's like... Ferdy. Yeah, Ferdy. But he's like... They, he hasn't got a date, and nor is Kelly, so they're, like, pushed on each other. They have a nice, nice little cute cute moment watching a fucking great B-movie. That's mm. got the scariest moment in, apparently. But, yeah, they, there's, um, you know, obviously... Yeah, rich. scariest, or was it? <laughs> but there's, you know, there's a bit of obligatory um, 80s nudity in this movie and a bit of bit of uh bit of sexy times and stuff like that. and then it all goes goes peaked on quite quickly really doesn't Naughty, it it's good Naughty barber crampton mm. yeah some great pacing on this movie though and stuff like that um the death Mate, yeah it goes straight in there doesn't yeah, it yeah death watch you know we've got we've got a good heavy amount of deaths quite quickly you know we get rid of we get rid of two security you know, i guess it's what are they they're supposed to be scientists because they've got a white coat on do you think absolutely standard scientist white coat Eating donuts. They're, they're, they're just the kind of like scientist slash robot looker after guys. <laughs> and then we get the the nice cameo. Yeah. Um, that's from, cool. Dick, from, is it from Dick as uh, the janitor. He's fucking slopping, a, he's cooking up a milkshake or some sick or some <laughs> shit. And they're like, you've you got to get out of here because like, it's literally, he goes, I'll be done in 10 minutes. It did not look like he was going to be done in 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, no. He needs to clean out that milkshake all over the place. Yeah, it was awful. It was... But we had that. And then the kids start slowly getting picked off one by one. Mm. Mark, poor Mike getting the fags. Mike, the the gum chewer. Was yeah, he's, he's stuck. Every single time. With Reminded me of Stifler for some, for some reason from American Pie. I don't yeah. know why, it just did. But he he's getting some from his 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 girlfriend from Leslie, and she's like, "Go and get me some cigarettes." She has the best death. I wonder what you're going to say then. But yeah, she did have the best death because, but he was before. Remember, so yes. he goes out to get the cigarettes, and I love the fact it's one of his old school cigarette machines, and he makes a big kind of thing about the price because <laughs> those machines are always so expensive. The cigarettes. And then he gets, and it's weird, because it's like, the robot comes up, doesn't it, and asks identification, so you're meant to scan your identification in front of their face. And he's actually got it. He's not got a shirt on, don't give a fuck, he's just walking around the mall with jeans, no no trainers, just his shirt off, nobody hanging around, and they're just pying in the shop. And then, yeah, he gets killed. Yeah, and then so does she. She comes out and investigates, and, oh... What? She finds him, doesn't she? She finds his body. Yeah, and then she gets chased by the fucking robot that can't <laughs> that can't shoot straight. <laughs> but this is definitely the best kill of the whole movie. In my One of the best kills of the 80s, I think. It's fantastic. It's brilliant because they're like literally stood behind the glass just watching as she runs up. And then she gets a fucking head blown off. And to be honest, I really didn't think that was going to happen. I thought she was just going to go, like, it was just going to be like a laser in the back and she's going to fall down. But literally, her head gets shot off. As this is the first time watching it, did you like the special effects and that sort of stuff? I fucking loved it, mate. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I have been, you know me, like, since we've done this podcast, like, I sort this movie out. I saw the title. I saw, I think I saw that kill and I was like, oh my God, I have to find this movie. I couldn't find, you know, I was, I was like searching for years. Mm. There was no physical copy that I could get hold of. And then suddenly you were like, oh, it's dropped on Amazon. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. it's, dropped on, it's been on there since like 
I watched it like three three years ago or something like that. It's not come off. There's some gems on there as well. Yeah. But yeah, so we get, she, she gets her head fucking blown off. Oh, then the next one's a tragedy. This is Babs. This is Babs. Susie. She's, she is a bit annoying. Like, there's, there's like the friends, like, obviously, like, Kelly Maroney's character, Alison, is quite, quite sturdy, quite strong, quite headstrong. She's a badass uh, in every movie, mate. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then, but then Barbara Campton is, is, is just falling apart. Um, I I must I've got to find my boyfriend I've got to find my boyfriend because they split up the boys go off and the girls go climbing through the air vent which I thought was quite cool because it's so hot that they're kind of like burning their arms and stuff and then they kind of get out the air duct don't they and then they run off but it's kind of this I'll let you go with this one (laughs) this is fucking crazy because I was like are they not going to they're not they're not going to save her they're not going to fucking save her it escalated a little bit quickly. Like, she got fucking, like, a little bit of fire, and then she's just getting burnt to fucking hell. And, like, they're all watching her, just like, oh, like, oh no. And they're like, what? I mean, I know the robot's there, but fuck it. Because you, that's your best mate. They're kind of hiding, <laughs> like, yeah. she's going, save me, help me. It's, oh, like, it's dark, yeah. death. Very dark, very <laughs> screaming. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the weird thing. It's like, it, it's kind of like cut tongue in cheek, but then. Then it goes just fucking dark. Like the, the killing's dark. I was just like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that either. Like, you know, crispy next, Barbara Crampton. Crispy Barbara Crampton, and then fucking next one, the dude gets... Um, crispy Susie. Gets thrown from the balcony. Which, and yes. man's pretty fucking... Well, that was pretty savage. He's gone off the rails because he's just seen his missus burned to death and he's like losing it and they've got all these guns which they're trying to fire but they can't this fire them the for thing. shit the classic right in in american malls there's gotta be a, a fucking sporting goods store so they're like i love it they just go and like fucking arm themselves up with like uzis and fucking a shotgun and they're all just stood there in a row just fucking firing off rounds i would have like, thought, thought i'd expected the shotgun to make an impact but no Kept on firing, though, didn't they? Kept on firing. Everyone, <laughs> everyone loves a good gun, gun fest. Um, who dies next? Linda. Linda. Good old Linda. Linda. We, well, it's a shame, really. We like Linda a lot. She's she. We we out of, we out of all of them, apart from Alison, we thought maybe maybe Linda could survive because she's got a bit of gumph about her. She's she knows how to fix a car. You know, she, she don't suffer fools. She don't suffer fools. Great body. Um, <laughs> she's a bit of a, but she got blasted. Yeah, she, she gets blasted down, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She and got that's blasted. And off. And then her boyfriend got electrocuted. A poor old Chris. So he's gone. But they were trying. They were really trying to get these monsters. They were setting up little traps for him all the time. You know, trying to get him in a lift. Every single time they tried to kill him and blow him up, they couldn't. What? We've got to talk about Alison's dead shot that we've just heard about in the, in the interview. That was incredible. That was good. That was good. The one-liner yeah. as well, the callback tonight of the comet. Great shot. Great shot. It was just, uh, yeah, they had, because, uh, you know, the Muppet the guy. Nice shot. The, 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 the Muppet guy couldn't shoot for shit. She just took the gun off him and was like, gets a little stance. Boom. One shot. Boom. 
fucking great. She's like the only one. Um, obviously, she's got a military dad again. This is the thing, right? Um, that I quite liked about it, and you know, this is nineteen eighty six. Um, and again, like women's roles, um, are, are quite talked about in those times and stuff. But again, Kelly's Kelly Maroney's like character, Alison, is a fucking badass. You know, um, she she she's portrayed as this kind of girl that's kind of a bit prim and proper, that is just as like kind of like, you know gets to know this Ferdy guy and, and they kind of hit it off and they're kind of getting on. But she's a badass because Ferdy, Ferdy gets taken out, doesn't he? Let's talk about that. It's, it's just like you think, oh, shit. He just gets brained by one of the robots. You think, oh, is he dead? Yeah. He? And then we get one of the most, my darkest moment of the movie where she's hiding from the robots in the pet shop. Oh, yeah. Oh. The pet shop, man. But, That's yeah. freaky because those spiders, I was like, they are real spiders. They definitely are. There's no, there's no fake in that. Well, yeah, we got it clarified from. Uh, Absolutely. And um, but she does it. She sets them up, gets them in the DIY shop, blows the fuckers to hell with a fancy little flare that she picked up earlier that she thought she'd, she thought she'd need. She's pouring that paint all over the place, and we know that's a fact as well because obviously she said about the train is getting covered in fucking paint, um, chucking it all over the floor. Um, I wouldn't have thought that. Fair play to her, you know. Yeah. Game over fucking robots. And then she's like, the best line, have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, every time they kill people, don't they? They go, have a nice day. Yeah. So it was fucking great. The whole movie's fucking fantastic, fun. Um, it's, you know, a, a teenage comedy, <laughs> really. No, it's a fucking sci-fi horror absolute beauty. It's a golden. It's a fucking cheese fest, but it's the best kind of cheese. Yeah, but like, I I don't like you know me. I don't like new cheese because I think I just it annoys me. But this this it, it is what it is, and it's just like it. I don't know. It's just really weird. A really weird thing about movies from the eighties is that they they just have so much heart about them and it's just like it's such a great era and I don't know it's just like something about this movie was just like again it just struck a chord with me I'm like I fucking love it it's fucking brilliant it's brilliant filmmaking it's just like it's full on obviously it's Roger Corman's like film company that that they filmed it and everything Um, but it's just great fun it's just really really good fun and it's just and like it, yeah, and it looked like the fun film in it, man, as well. And the practical effects stand up to today because you know if it was done in poor CGI. I mean, obviously you get the blasts and stuff like that, which are always were a little bit dodge. But whatever, it's just I just love the robots. It, adds, it adds more. Just it makes you love it even more. I think. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this, bro. Have you got any? Now we we obviously got a good bit of goss. From the from the lady herself, but did you did. did you pick up any Matt's facts for this bad boy? I have got some Matt's facts. I I had to do a bit of research. Obviously, we got a lot of facts before. Um, the film's budget. I want to have a guess what the budget was on this movie. Five point four mil. Fuck off, mate. This is the eighties, mate. And this is a Roger Corman production. Thirty. We're on about eight hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> 
<laughs> and what a good job they did, mate. Yeah, they used that well. Three robots. As she said, like, obviously they had to do all the filming at night. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they had to do this in the mall. So anyway, as I talk about that, there was a bit of a clash of heads with security of the actual security of the mall. They weren't happy with the with some of the stuff that was going on because obviously when they were shooting in there, they had to get it all set up and cleaned up and made good for nine o'clock in the morning so the the mall could actually open and function. But the security had a bit of a problem with them about them damaging some things and stuff, allegedly. Um, but the mall owners were like, "We don't give a fuck. Just keep filming. It's great." <laughs> as always security got their big balls out and was like mo, mo, mo. they were jealous that they were going to lose their jobs to the robots <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's it so this mole was the same mole that was used in Commando fucking Commando that's amazing <laughs> I fucking love that film awesome awesome um, when this uh, film originally came out it was called Killbots yeah. and it didn't do very well so they went and re-released it under the name of Chopping Mall, and it did much, 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 much better. Chopping Mall is a ridiculous name, though. I love it. Because it's fucking it's just, great. It doesn't mean anything, though. It's like, know, but it's it's like just when like, you hear Chopping Mall, you want to hear, you expect like an axe murder in a fucking mall. That's like, what I mean. You think of a slasher movie when you think yeah. Chopping Mall, when there's really no slashing at all involved. And in total, there was five robots made. Obviously, mm. there's three in the movies, but there were five made. Um, just in case any got broken or they had to use them again. They're made out of uh, wheelchair bits, conveyor belts, and they had, like, um, laser blasters connected on them. So they weren't, you know, they weren't, you know, made of amazing stuff. So they probably were falling apart half the time. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you can't get hold of them now. (laughs) So can you name the movie that Alison and Ferdy were watching? In the shop. Oh, no way. I, I thought about this. I knew you were going to ask me. And I was going to look it up. <laughs> um, it's, it's a Roger Corman movie, and it's called Attack of the Crab Monsters. Oh, fucking hell. I was going to say Attack of the Crab People. Okay, that's <laughs> fucking cool. I'm going to have to seek that out now and watch it. Just so yeah. I'm canon. <laughs> Obviously, we, we heard about slightly in the interview. Um, the sporting goods store they go to is called Peckinpah Sporting Goods, and that's a homage to the director, Sam Peckinpah. Nice. It was a nice little nod there. Um, also, the voices of the robots was done by the director and writer Jim Wronowski. He did the voices of the robots. Have a nice day. <laughs> it was shot in 22 days, apparently. Nice. For 22 nights. Either or. Obviously, there's a short circuit connection like we touched on. Came out the same year, which is quite funny because if you look at their their kind of legs are the same, like with the conveyor about legs. It's really it's very the arms as well, man. But it's like literally, like you said, opposite stories, isn't it? Like short circuit struck by lightning, he's a good guy. Yeah. These guys are struck by lightning, they're bad guys. So that's quite quite weird. Um, also, the pet shop she goes into is called Roger's Little Shop of Pets. Obviously, he. Did the movie Little Shop of Horrors, which is a nice little nod. And there was a body count of 10. Fucking big body count. Big body count. Great. All in all, fucking fantastic movie. Right, I want to know if you're first time watching it, dude. There's some great facts, by the way. 
I want to know what your uh, what you're rating this bad boy. With your first watch. Oh, fucking hell, mate. This is this is up there. I've got to be honest. I think I'm going to have to give it a nine out of ten. Nice. It's a nine for me all day. All day. It's so, it's so many. I, I will watch this. I think it's one of those movies that I think I will watch once a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? You like put it out. <laughs> I'm watching this tonight. I'm in the mood. Do you know what I mean? Like Night of the Comet. I, like watching that the other night. I thought I fucking loved Night of the Comet. I fucking love Night of the Comet now. After the like and like I don't know. That's probably about the third watch now of Night of the Comet. It's just fucking unbelievably good. It's like so, so fucking good. And I don't know why. And I mean, I mean, we touched on it, you know, talking about it in, in the interview. But it's just, I don't know, it's something about it that just is awesome. And I don't know what. It's uh, just, but I just love it. I think it's innocent. The innocence of it. Um... But you were right, what you said in the interview about the whole shopping mall bit and everything like that. And it just, it was just, it was just I don't know. Watching it again was just like, I just had a smile on my face, and I was just like, I fucking love this movie, and it's just weird. It's the fact that we both love it as well, and it's just like, and we hadn't seen it originally, and I know, with Chopping Mall, if I'd seen this as a kid, this would have been in my top ten. I know for a fact, if I saw that in the video shop, which I don't know why I didn't, I would have been renting that fucker like, no business. Maybe it didn't have... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Maybe it didn't have, like, the UK rights or something. Don't know. I don't think it did, because it's like, like Night of the Comet. Never saw that on the video show. This poster would have been, that poster that, on the video, yeah. like, I would have, all day, I would have exactly. remembered that. So I reckon it just got missed, or it probably had a very limited release, because I yeah. would have got that all day. I know, it's depressing. Yeah, it kind of passed us by, but I'm glad that we picked it up for the pod, and I'm glad we did this for the pod, because it, it's been brilliant, and I, I I I really hope we find other movies like this that we haven't seen because it's great. It's so much fun. Well, talking about that, oh it's, shit, it's my pick. It is your pick, <laughs> and I don't know if either of us have watched this movie. I certainly haven't watched this movie. Um, <laughs> you haven't watched this movie. I haven't watched this movie. I feel that this movie is going to be on the lines of um, the Mutilator. Okay. Okay. It's called The Slumber Party Massacre. I have not seen this, and I want to see it. <laughs> Badly. Yeah, I've always seen the front of it and stuff like that, and it just looks weird as fuck. It's 1982. It's only an hour and 16, so, you know, not losing any time. Free on Amazon Prime. Woo! And I think <laughs> you can watch the many, many... Um, sequels that they did <laughs> the different kind yeah. of things that they did for this as well so it should be like it's right there with sleepaway camp that sort of thing so i don't know this could be another sleepaway camp no i fucking another... hope so mate because <laughs> you know i love sleepaway camp but this is new i don't know any of the actresses in it so this is going to be a whole new discovery awesome Are even going to be a boob <laughs> <laughs> there is definitely going to be boob it's 82 dude yeah. no holds barred Fucking fun. Okay, so that's my pick. That was a great episode. Great pick. Thanks, again, thanks again to the lovely Kelly Maroney for... Uh, oh, what a dream. What, what a dream come true. I hope she comes over here. That'd be awesome. And on our, on our next episode, we're going to be doing, for our main review, the 
with Nicolas Cage, um, Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> Willy's Great. Wet Wonderland. Great name. Um, I'll start to scream about. Matt's going on the hunt for some more interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Always see. By the way, if you're listening, uh, you want to be on our podcast, give us a yeah. shout. And, um, um, uh, and I've just picked the Slumber Party Massacre. And there's only one more thing to say. When there's no more room in hell, here's another podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. You can follow us on Twitter at DrawOneLast, Instagram at DrawOneLastBreath, or pop us an email at DrawOneLastBreath pod at hotmail.com. <laughs>